Within the observance of communion, Pastor Ray Bentley says Jesus makes a statement to our generation. In this, Jesus was saying, by my life and death, I will now make it possible that you can have a new relationship with my Father in heaven. You are sinners, but because I will die for you voluntarily, because I love you, the Father will no longer be your enemy, but my Father will be your friend. Spread news of his people coming down. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Communion is a celebration, a quiet, reverent celebration. Where sin separates us from God, the Lord's sacrifice allows us to enter back into fellowship with God. And communion remembers the price Jesus paid and celebrates the free gift of eternal life offered to those who believe. Let's listen. If you have your Bible, open it to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. And we're going to look at, uh, first of all, verses 1 through 6 and see what happens here. The, the preparation for the greatest crime ever committed on the planet Earth, the plot to kill Jesus. Beginning of verse 1, it says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. As I mentioned here, it is absolutely astonishing when you, when you read these few verses that these men perpetrated history's greatest crime during Israel's holiest festival. This is the holiest time of the year and they are plotting, these are the religious leaders, they're plotting the greatest crime in human history during the holiest time of the year. Now, if you know, why is it called? Obviously Passover, which we celebrated on, on Good Friday, but it's also known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After Passover, then you have these seven days of, of uh, eating unleavened bread. And Every Passover, they are, the Jewish people in their homes are to go searching through their house, looking for uh, leaven and remove it from their houses. And one of the reasons that they do that is to remember that their ancestors, when they left Egypt, had to leave in such haste, they couldn't wait around uh, for the yeast, the leaven, to you know, fill uh, the bread and to make them loaves. So it had to be done in a hurry. Now from that moment, leaven then in the Bible becomes a type of sin. Uh, isn't it interesting? What's the purpose of yeast? It puffs up the bread. So what does pride do? Puffs people up. 
That's what pride is and what it's all about. And therefore, leaven is a great type of sin. Jesus had warned his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Back in uh, chapter 12, I think verse one. And the leaven that he was wanting them to be warned about was the mixing of sin into that which was sacred, pure, holy, and religious, Judaism. So it's really about hypocrisy. And, and there is nothing more nauseous to God than using holy things, sacred things, and then puffing it up with, with justifications for selfishness and ego and pride. And, and really, you can speak a religious language about the kingdom of God when you're really more interested in building your own kingdom for yourself. So that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I believe that America is in a very interesting place where God is you know, using the economic trouble and trials that we are going through and testing our hearts. Uh, do we really trust and seek God first? And then is money truly in its proper priority? Well, that is what I think that God is, is probably purging and he's purifying all of us in various ways with that. Now, you could say that had these religious Jews that were leaders plotting right while they're celebrating their own Passovers, I bet you every one of them was quite diligent to go through their houses and remove all the physical leaven from their house. They were very good Orthodox religious Jews, but they did not remove the leaven or the sin or the puffed up pride that was in their hearts. For a long time, they had wanted to arrest Jesus. They wanted to get rid of Jesus because though they could not uh, argue with the miraculous or the signs or the wonders or the power of his ministry or the authority of his teaching or even the popularity that he had with the people. But still, Jesus did not deliver to them either in their, his teaching or in his ways the kingdom that they wanted. They wanted a kingdom their way. They wanted him to deliver it in a, in a fashion that really would have put more priority on the physical and outward aspects of that. Than, and they, they, that part of the agenda was more important to them than mercy and tenderness and forgiveness and compassion and, and uh, having a heart for those who were sinners. So he became for them a distraction from their own agenda, their own political, economic ideas and wanting to overthrow Rome. But up until this point, they had not been able to come up with a safe way to get Jesus and at the same time protect themselves from the people who obviously loved him. He'd done too many miracles. He had healed too many people. He had cast out too many devils. He had performed too many miracles and signs and taught too many wonderful things. They couldn't get their hands on him, which is, isn't that kind of a cool thing? Jesus was so loved by the people that they, they couldn't do anything. Well, unfortunately, as we just now read, Judas now solved their problem for them. He comes to them and promises to them, look, I'm on the inside. 
I know, you know where he goes. I will deliver Jesus to you when the, the, the mass of people are not around to protect him. So there will be no uprising from the people. And so Judas, as you know, he, he makes the deal, he betrays Jesus, uh, which we will read about a little bit later in the Gospel of Luke. Now, I want to just, let me say this. I want us to be, take a moment and be careful. There may come a time where you have given your heart to Christ and you're following him, and then it is at a moment of weakness and frustration, and, and you know, it's hard. First of all, it's hard being a human being, period, in a fallen, broken world. How many would agree with that? So then you become a Christian, and now you're like a live fish swimming upstream. That takes, you know, more out of you. And there come those times of our own temptation, our own wilderness experience, and you begin to say, man, I don't know if I like what it really means to be a Christian. I think that being a Christian ought to be easier. I think that being a Christian and filled with the Spirit ought to mean that you are more, you know, blessed or that you don't have so many trials or it shouldn't be so hard. And the next thing you know, you're judging the Bible and you're judging other believers and you're judging the church and you're judging God. And then the next thing you know, you're saying, I don't like the way this whole thing is. And there are those who turn around and walk away. Be careful. That's what Judas did. He was, he hung with Jesus. He was the most committed church goer. He's with Jesus for three and a half years. He heard every story and every message and every teaching and every parable that Jesus ever taught. Even he had gone out door to door witnessing with the other disciples. He had laid hands on people and prayed for them. And we would suppose that just like the other apostles, healings had happened in Jesus' name and miracles had happened. He was one of the the disciples. And yet with all of that, Judas never truly was a believer. He never really had repented. He didn't like what it really meant. And he wasn't willing to go along with this path of the cross and then suffering. His sins were never really cleansed by the Lord He never really believed or received eternal life. He was constantly looking at Jesus, judging him, holding back until finally he said, I don't like the whole program of what he represents. And yet none of the other disciples had the slightest suspicion that Judas was in fact a traitor. And, you know, so this leaven, this sin, this pride that was in Judas' life grew secretly, quietly, until finally it produced the ultimate betrayal of all time. And he lost everything. Luke chapter four, verse 13 says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, when he was with, you know, Jesus in the wilderness, he departed from him until an opportune time. Because Judas never totally opened his heart to embrace Jesus and everything, the devil followed him and he, and he knew just as Jesus couldn't get into Jesus' heart, he said, I'll wait for another opportune time. And one of those opportune times was in the Garden of Gethsemane to come and, you know, with the onslaught. Well, he had also watched Judas and this was his opportune time. This guy doesn't really believe. 
He, in fact, he, he believes more in my program, that Jesus isn't doing it the right way and he should have used his powers differently or whatever. And so he came and Judas was ripe at that opportune moment. And then he betrays the Lord. And he ends up, not only does he betray the Lord for money, he only gets 30 pieces of silver. That's the price of a slave. He lost his eternal soul for a pittance. So it even shows that if you go after money, you're gonna end up getting totally ripped off anyway. But if you trust in the Lord, you will get him and forgiveness and his spirit and grace and the meek shall inherit the earth. You get the whole earth thrown in. <laughs> so you have nothing to lose by opening your heart to him. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. What a blessing it was to be taught by Pastor Ray. He is greatly missed. But Pastor Ray's son, Daniel, has taken the reins and is doing great work in teaching God's Word. I can see the Holy Spirit burning in Pastor Daniel, and I am proud to support and be led by him as my teacher. May God's hand continue to rest on Daniel as we pray for the entire Bentley family. These teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, verses 7 through 13, we move on from Judas. Then came the day of unleavened bread, and when the Passover must be killed, and he, Jesus, sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. And so they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? Listen very carefully. He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters, and then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room where make ready. And so they went and found it just as he had said to them and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And then he said to them with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me at the table, and truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And we'll, we'll stop there for just a moment. I want you to notice that the way Jesus prepared for the Passover and the upper room, he did it because he knew there was a plot against him. He already knew about Judas. He'd known about him for three, three and a half years. He, he already knew that one of them was a devil. <laughs> So now, because Jesus didn't want to get turned in prior to the right time, he tells only two disciples, Peter and John, you guys go ahead. Now, they, Jesus had been to Jerusalem 
you know, annually every year at the Feast of Passover. There were many believers, you know, a number of them that believed and had homes there. There could have been several homes that Jesus could have borrowed for the Passover meal. But he didn't tell the 12. Why? Because he knew Judas wanted to betray him. And therefore, he had somehow, he prearranged, he tells Peter and John, go to this place, you'll see a man carrying water. That'll be the sign. Follow that man to the house. Why is that a sign? Because in those days, only the women, that was their job to carry the water. So a man carrying water in Israel, in Jerusalem, in the middle of the day would be kind of unusual. But that would be, people would look and go, well, that's rather odd, but nobody would know that it was a sign. Had Judas known, he may have been tempted to inform on them at the Last Supper and preempted what needed to happen all the way through Passover and to Good Friday itself. So then Peter and John go just as Jesus has said and they are led. They then went and purchased a kosher lamb, a lamb without spot and blemish. They brought it to the temple to be slain and have its blood shed. Then they would take the lamb back. It would be roasted with fire. They would bring it to the table was now being set up and there would be wine and there would be unleavened bread and there would be bitter herbs to remind them of their long and bitter bondage in Egypt. And as they are sitting there, and again from the Passover meal, uh, very, very uh, briefly, there is in a a traditional uh, Jewish Passover, there are three flat pieces of bread called matzah. The matzah bread is to be made without leaven, so it's flat. It is also made with stripes, matzah bread. It is striped to make sure that it doesn't rise up or puff up, and it's pierced to make sure that it doesn't rise up. So they go to great lengths to make sure that the bread is both striped and pierced. The bread itself is a picture of Jesus Christ whose body was beaten with stripes and pierced with the nails and the sword through him. There are three loaves and they they, they take those three loaves and put them in a special little compartment and they take out the middle one, not the top one, not the third one down at the bottom, but they take out the middle one and it's called the afikomen, which is an ancient word that variously translated, one of the meanings is Ironically, he has come. They take the afikomen, they break it in half, put half of it on the table, take the other half, that now that it's been broken, they wrap it in a cloth and they hide it. And then the game is played and the children later on go find and bring out the afikomen. Then you break off little pieces of that and give it to everybody. That we believe is what Jesus took that bread. You know, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is taken out, he is broken. Pierced, striped, broken, buried, hidden, and then at the end he is brought out, and then it's distributed and everybody eats. And that is when Jesus gave it the sacred meaning, this is my body. This is what we call a sacrament. A sacrament is something that in itself is ordinary, which acquires a meaning far beyond that which is normal to the eyes, to the eyes that can see and to the heart that can understand. For such a one is the body of Christ, striped, pierced, broken, buried, hidden, revealed, and now eaten for us. He was broken for us, bruised for us, 
and by his stripes we are healed. Amen? Amen. By his stripes we were healed. And that way Jesus gave us himself. Then he said of the cup. Now there's actually, if you don't know, in a Passover, there are four cups. And we believe that it was the third of the four cups. The first cup, the second cup, and then the third cup is called the cup of redemption. Jesus took the third cup, the cup of redemption, said, take, drink, this is my blood. My body will be pierced, striped, broken, buried, hidden, resurrected and revealed. And from all of that will come my blood, which washes away your sins. This, the cup of the redemption, is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is shed for you. In this, Jesus was saying that by my life and death, I will now make it possible that you can have a new relationship with my Father in heaven. You are sinners. I know this. It is true. But because I will die for you voluntarily, because I love you, the Father will no longer be your enemy, but my Father will be your friend. And you can enter into a blood, eternal, intimate relationship with him as his very own sons and daughters for all time and for all of eternity. And I will go and prepare a place for you. Now, there is then the fourth cup. The fourth cup, Jesus, is called the cup of praise. It's the last part of the meal and you give praise and thanks. It was this fourth cup that Jesus said, I won't drink this one, the cup of praise. I won't drink this until I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. And when you, the Jewish people, shall say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, then Jesus will take and drink the cup to rejoice when his own family and brothers and sisters rejoice with him. That's at the second coming. And how we long and look forward to that day. Then they went out and sang a hymn. Jesus made his way back to the Mount of Olives. He had been in the upper Jerusalem in one of the homes there in the upper room. He now goes down to the Kindron Valley back to his favorite place to pray at night, the Garden of Gethsemane. And thus he prays all night. The disciples fall asleep. And then Jesus has a breakthrough, but early in the morning, at the right time, now on the very time that Passover shall begin, that's when Judas betrays him, so that the scripture might be fulfilled that Jesus becomes our Passover. It cost the life of Jesus Christ in order to restore the lost relationship that Adam and Eve forfeited so long ago in the garden. But that price has been paid, so tonight we rejoice. Tonight we get to eat that same bread of the love of Christ and drink the cup of redemption and remember that we are loved and that we are now embraced, loved, blessed by our Father in heaven. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with some great symbolism and insights from today's study of communion and Passover. Glad you're along today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Jesus Reveals Communion. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.